The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. <laughs> Today on the lab report, Brendan Vermeer. Seriously, I'm dying to meet this man. Yeah. I could not wait. Here's a savage. Holistically speaking. Right. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. So are you going to wear your winter coat through this entire recording? I mean, you look I'm pretty I'm going to wear up. my winter coat through the entire rest of the <laughs> you, year. You look really bundled up over there. It's cold out, man. <laughs> it's inside. <laughs> Good point. Hello! Hi, Michael Chapman. How are you today? I'm cold, Patty Devers. How are you doing? <laughs> Not quite as cold as you. Mm, excellent. Yeah. So you're doing well? You're crushing it? Living your best Always, life? As per usual. How about you? I'm doing great. Good. Yeah. Uh, so this is a podcast it's called The uh-huh. Lab Report. It's brought to you on behalf of Genova Diagnostics. Thank you to Genova. Thank you. And it's where we talk about things like mm-hmm. functional, integrative, precision medicine, specialty lab testing, holistic therapeutics, natural medicines, the remedies, mm-hmm. and all the stuffs. And if you like to geek out on all the stuffs like oh, we yeah. do, and if you like to have a good time, well, guess what? You're in the right place. Oh, yeah. And hopefully if you're returning first of all thank you mm-hmm. but hopefully you would have gone to itunes or spotify perhaps follow the show leave us some stars we rate, review and if you're new welcome hi hi you're the best for joining us mm-hmm. and as a reward there's a couple things you could do you can actually send feedback directly to us mm-hmm. feedback uh goes to the address podcast at gdx.net that's our email address if i can appropriately yeah. enunciate that yeah you had to speed bump there it happens. I need to push you or hit you or something. Okay. I think it happens because I get excited and then my mouth starts moving and my brain can't keep mm. up. Okay. Either that or it's the other way around where my brain gets excited and my yeah. mouth can't keep up. Let's it's probably hope, that one actually. Let's hope they get in sync today. Yeah, maybe they should screen for that sort of problem before putting a microphone in front of someone's face. <laughs> but here we are, right? Here we are. And I'm so excited about today and I'm going to tell you why. Tell me why. So... You know, the Genova Diagnostics Instagram is a cool, good place for you to go and get some really interesting little fun tidbits, see little funny videos of us, and we give some really good education. But in so scrolling Instagram, this one account keeps coming up called The Holistic Savage. Yeah. And every time I would, I would go to one of this person's posts, I would say, these people are so in line with everything we do here at Genova. Yeah. Who is this guy? Mm-hmm. And so we went looking, and it turns out it's Brendan Vermeer. Yeah. And I think that's a great handle too, the holistic savage. Yeah. I mean, if there's any place for savagery, I would say it's in the holistic front, right? Like who better to carry forward the message of holistic, preventative, integrative medicine than a holistic savage? You need a holistic we savage on your do. team. And we're glad he is on our team. And there's a lot of truth bombs in everything he says. And as you know, Michael, we're in functional precision, integrative medicine. There's a lot of echo chamber happening. And every once in a while, a voice speaks out that joins the Genova voice that makes us go, yay. And so that's who Brendan Vermeer is to me. Yeah, and I'll say I'm super excited for this conversation because just knowing his work and, you know, he's, he focuses a lot on mental health, which right. is, as you know, right. is really something I, I like talking about quite a bit. Um, but the ability to understand, you know, from a personal trainer perspective, 
how that relates to mental health and then ultimately how what that means kind of philosophically as far as mm -hmm. how to behavior be do better with behavior change and how to address it um, all those things it just makes for a really well-rounded conversation that I'm sure is going to be really really entertaining well why don't we just call them up right we should do that Michael Chapman. Yes. Finally. Oh my goodness. Finally, Brendan Seriously, Vermeer this is, is going to be this a conversation show. for sure. And this is our new best friend, mm. FYI. Yeah. So, for those of you who live under a rock and maybe perhaps do not know who Brendan Vermeer is, let me tell you a little bit about him. Brendan Vermeer is a mental and metabolic health scientist and researcher, functional medicine educator, writer, and speaker. He is a board certified holistic health practitioner master nutrition coach, master personal trainer, USAW sports performance coach, and CrossFit trainer. Holy smokes. I know. A lot of masters in there. He began his career as a personal trainer and nutrition coach after disappointingly being medically discharged from the U.S. Navy SEAL training pipeline due to an injury. After being exposed to the power of functional lab testing at the start of his career, he began intensely pursuing that as a career path, which has led him to be widely regarded as one of the top leading experts in metabolic health and functional education. He is the proud owner and founder of the Metabolic Solutions Institute for Functional Health and Fitness Practitioners and the Metabolic Solutions Research and Education Foundation, a not-for-profit foundation dedicated to changing the way the world views mental health through advancing the science of mental health dysfunction. He is also the creator of the Mental Map, a cutting-edge lab panel for mental health, the fun Functional Mental Health Practitioner Certificate Program, and the Neuroceuticals Supplement line. Cool. And with that, welcome to the lab Thank report. So much for being here. No, thank you both for having me. You, you did a great job reading that, that <laughs> bio. Which, you know, I, I'm not used to hearing my own bio. It's like it makes me sound cooler than I actually probably am. But not true. No, not true. <laughs> Disagree. I can be your hype girl. <laughs> right, hey, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> um, so let's start here. Like. Your widely known functional precision medicine field is like a guru of optimization and mental health. Uh, like, what makes you first so passionate about the the topic of mental health? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question because you know back in the day, obviously the whole Navy SEAL thing that was my life goal. I just I have that drive, right? I have that fire in my belly. I've always been kind of a more intense, obsessive personality. And I need to channel that as part of my mental health regimen. And so these days, a lot of times I catch myself saying my work is my medicine, you know, and, and it is my work. It's it's my purpose. It's my service to the collective. I grew up doing martial arts yeah. and as a, a young man that was obsessed with all things martial arts mm -hmm. and kind of the way of the samurai, you know, and the word samurai means to serve. And I genuinely believe that serving the collective is actually a very necessary part of eudaimonic self-actualization and what we need to maintain good psycho-emotional health. Mm -hmm. But even through my career path as a nutrition coach and personal trainer, which having that background in exercise physiology, nutritional biochemistry has served me really, really well in the functional medicine space. I think there's a lacking of you know, the metabolic physiology and nutritional biochemistry. But even though, you know, I was doing all the, I was very metabolically healthy and fit, I was still struggling a lot with my mental health. You know, it's like, I remember back in like some of my bodybuilding days of like, okay, I have to do 90 minutes of fasted cardio to optimize fat loss and, you know, count my 28 almonds with eight ounces of chicken breast and broccoli. And I hate myself enough to do it, to make my body look this way so I can get on stage and get just, you kind of see that like that doesn't sound mentally healthy even yeah. if you are physically mm -hmm. metabolically healthy in a mm -hmm. specimen like psycho emotionally so 
I went through a lot of my own mental health struggles and and that's not even the worst of it. I, I'm sure you two have kind of heard my sad story that included, you know, an intentional suicide attempt and an overdose and going through the conventional psychiatric system. Mm. You know, I saw firsthand like how people with mental illness uh, that maybe just try to kill themselves, how are they treated? How are they treated mm. through that conventional model? And some of these psychiatrists that I you know, was dealing with, I was like, this is an unacceptable approach hmm. to, to mental health and physiological well-being. And as I was making my way through the functional medicine space, and I saw that there was a need for a new functional medicine approach to mental health, and even some of the mental health circles that are established in, in the functional space um, that I've, you know, done some work in, I, I still, I think there's an evolution that needs to occur. I think, you know, that sort of space is behind by at least 20 years based mm -hmm. on like where the research is, where the literature is, what we know scientifically versus like what is common clinical practice. So I'm trying to bridge that gap. Well, we're glad to yeah. have you here in the space. This is exactly what we need. Yeah. And so many questions even. I, I completely agree with you. I mean, yeah. everything that you just said is so important. One of the things that comes to mind, not to go like meta right away, but that what you said about essentially giving back to the collective as being part of how you develop self-actualization and, and, you know, your mm -hmm. own sense of, of mental health, like so many people too are so drained it's such a bi-directional path right the physiologic informs the mental health and vice versa and so many people these days i think are so drained whether that's either physiologically or mentally like how right. like how do you get to your own therapy it's like help <laughs> help me help you you know what i mean yeah 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 it does make sense absolutely my my little like brain yin yang logo that i have on instagram it's um just kind of one of my logos that i use the brain yin yang, that's what I was going for is the the two aspects of psychology, physiology and, and that psychosomatic connection, which I do a lot of work with, you know, psychosomatic. And even though it's like, you know, microglial activation is kind of like my thing and my claim to fame and, and all the while, though, you know, that psychoemotional component, that psychosomatic tie in of thoughts become proteins and how our thoughts and our nervous system regulation, how that's impacting the physiology. But then it's like, you know, you can do all the nervous system regulation or psychotherapy, but like if your physiology is oxidized and on fire and, mm -hmm. you know, under methylated or whatever is going on there, you know, you can't think your way out of that physiological dysfunction. So I think that's what makes mental health, you know, hard to work with, but also very rewarding is you're mm -hmm. kind of untangling this, you know, complex mixture of all this cellular dysfunction and physiological dysfunction but also mixed with a lot of self-limiting beliefs and psychological dysfunction and sort of, you know, neural miswiring, if you will. So it's endlessly fascinating. Yeah. It's a profound dichotomy. Well, mm -hmm. let's let's dive into it then. So in yeah. our space, functional medicine, personalized medicine, we're always talking about getting to the root cause. But in actuality, there are usually many root causes or contributors to every dysfunction out there. Mental health is no different. And we are definitely going to discuss all of those today. But let's start with the gut. Mm -hmm. um, we've done several episodes on the gut-brain axis, and we know about the importance of the gut-brain axis. Talk about how you think the GI contract contributes to mental health. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. The, the three main focal points of, of all the work that I do, to me, I always say that the three pillars of mental health are mindset, metabolism, and microbiome, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And of course, the mindset, and we could talk about mindset and outlook and beliefs all day and you know, spirituality and everything. 
the metabolism, which doesn't get talked about enough, obviously, that kind of metabolic psychiatry, but then the microbiome, everything that I do uh, as a researcher and educator, you know, I'm really focusing on microglial cells of the central nervous system and what root cause factors are going to modulate the milieu that these things are marinating in, right? You know, it's not that the mast cells or microglial cells or any other cell is behaving dysfunctionally. It's trying to respond right. to the milieu and the input signals of right. the cytokines, chemokines, damps, pamps, lamps, all the things, right? right? So then if we're trying to think about, well, what systems have a very powerful effect on that milieu, I think the gut-brain axis is really at the top of that list. And you look at, for example, uh, to sort of you know make a strong point succinctly. You look at the fact that, like, what is the standard you know clinical research model to study neuroinflammation? What do they use to activate microglial cells? Lipopolysaccharide. That is the standard thing that they're going to use. Whether it's in vitro, in vivo, doesn't matter. They will use the lipopolysaccharide to activate the microglial cells to the M1 pro-inflammatory phenotype, and then you know, what therapeutic do we then apply to try to undo what we just induced with mm. LPS, mm. whether that's monoclonal antibodies, minocycline, vitamin D, low-dose naltrexone, it, like it doesn't matter. So as functional root cause practitioners, we should be looking at like, well, if they're using the endotoxins to induce that, maybe we should be thinking about the endotoxin burden that's coming from the leaky dysbiotic gut, right? Mm. So it really just takes us to that ground zero that is the human microbiota. Nice. The root cause of the root cause. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. Well, and it's also like removing the obstacle to cure, right? right. It's kind of like the way yeah. that, yeah. And, and and makes me wonder, so from a practical standpoint, knowing that, what are some of your main like starting points? I think I think about a lot of people who might be struggling with mental health or have a lot of patients who, you know, maybe mental health isn't exactly their forte, but they, they know how important it is. Like where, what are some of your go-tos from a practical implementation standpoint around that GI aspect? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like the approach I like to take, you know, because I'm, I'm not a psychotherapist and candidly, I, I don't want to be any of my clients, you know, therapists, although I, I kind of feel like I am anyways. And <laughs> even, <laughs> you know, yeah, even back in the day as like a personal trainer, it's like, okay, we're there to work out, but I'm basically being an empathetic therapist while we, you know, do a few reps or something, right? So a lot of what I try to do with like my mental map and protocols Obviously, we have a society that is conditioned with this pill for the ill and then, mm -hmm. you know, the more forward thinking, kind of more educated, resourceful individuals of now they're shifting towards functional medicine because they're tired of being thrown, you know, pharmaceuticals. But then it's like they still like what lab testing identifies the root cause and what pills do I take to make it all go away, right? That's what people want. Mm -hmm. So you almost have to do this uh, intentional bait and switch of like, okay, you want labs and you want a protocol. But that's just to sort of get a jump start, right? Mm -hmm. But if we can apply sort of precision therapeutics, that's going to have the biggest, you know, shift in efficacy on their dysfunctional physiology. You know, then they start feeling better. Now they're in a more sort of stable, coherent place. That now let's unravel your lifestyle behaviors and your belief systems. So with the gut microbiome and foundational. Uh, nutrient status, right? Like people aren't deficient in met metformin and ozempic or even curcumin, mm -hmm. but they probably are deficient in healthy microbes and they're deficient in a lot of essential nutrients. So a lot of times my initial clinical priorities are restoring diversity to the microbiome, restoring integrity to the mucosal lining, mm -hmm. the intestinal lining, the, the blood brain barrier as well, 
and repleting the nutrients that they're deficient in, which is usually going to be like all of them, macro, micro, all of them. So a lot of times the first thing I put in is uh, immunolin, the serum bovine immunoglobulins. Mm -hmm. I'm a raging fan, obviously released my own, you know, yeah. immunolin product mm -hmm. with the neuro IgG. But that's always like the very first thing that I put in because it's basically just like this therapeutic shield medical food that you're just dumping right into the gut. It's going to mop up and bind and neutralize a lot of the toxins, toxins, pathogens, having a prebiotic like effect. So I'll titrate in like the immunolin, some probiotics, uh, multivitamin, magnesium, zinc, obviously tailoring all this based on lab testing details. Mm -hmm. But some of those just foundational components is usually the, the starting point for me. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, like what we see, it's amazing even just getting that like I feel like that takes somebody oftentimes from like 0% to 80% almost instantaneously. And now you're, yeah. you're really rolling downhill to where, how mm -hmm. do we get from 80 to hundred? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and so it, that makes total sense to me. Okay. And it leads to this question too, around like this concept of methylation that we hear quite a bit about and you know, what single nucleotide polymorphism SNPs, which are kind of genetic variants within people. And we, we love all that biochemistry stuff here, obviously. And we have our own kind of methylation testing where we do phenotypic and genotypic markers to Together similarly so can you talk a little bit about the methylation connection uh, as it relates to mental health yeah I was hoping we we might go there because it, it, you know methylation is one of my just favorite kind of core subjects our and, Sue our Sue <laughs> yeah. oh it, it's so fun it's so cool um, I like how it kind of ties in like the genetic with the epigenetic and just the physiological the interface biochemical biochemical meets physiological and um, you know, looking at like homocysteine as which is easily one of the most important biomarkers for mental health in general, activates NMDA receptors, active, drives leaky brain and endothelial dysfunction. Um, so the MTHFR side of things, that was the subject that kind of segued me into functional medicine. Uh, I was, you know, still a nutrition coach and personal trainer, and I was actually <clears throat> essentially trying to save my ex-fiance who got this mysterious complex chronic illness thing that nobody could figure out. Mm. And, you know, when we went to our conventional doctor, you know, they did standard blood work, everything looks fine. There's nothing wrong with you, but we did see that you have this MTHFR thing, right? And, and I had no idea what this was, but being very scientifically curious. So I dove into Ben Lynch's work and sure. that was really my first exposure to methylation and MTHFR and I just fell in love with all the biochemistry of it. So that kind of catapulted me into the functional medicine world that I didn't really know existed. So the methylation component is such a huge part and the mental map that I created. This is a story that I think is relevant where um, I'm sure you both are familiar with like William Walsh's work around, mm -hmm. you know, cryptopyral disorder mm -hmm. and, and methylation um you know based on like carl pfeiffer's work and all of that so i was originally contracted by the laboratory that offers the cryptopyrrole testing and essentially it was like hey you know william walsh has done all this amazing work around cryptopyrrole disorder and in, in the methylation side of things knock state of stress um and essentially they were looking to me of like who's going to carry on that work and research of like what do we do with this because it is understudied mm -hmm. you know there there's still a great need for more research within that sort of what is this cryptopyral thing and how does it tie into methylation? Like we see the clinical biomarkers of, you know, high cryptopyral in the urine, low zinc, high copper, ceruloplasmin, histamine. So I kind of built a research panel around that model to try to expand of like, well, 
but how does the methylation and the biochemistry and then how's that throwing off like immune function or inflammatory status or some of these other physiological pathways so that's kind of the interface that i work yeah it sounds like we need to have a separate episode with brendan about methylation yeah that's like our deep dive biochem fun oh yeah yeah that. that's like one of the first major things that i think we started kind of working on once we yeah. started with genova here yeah. and, and the yeah. thing i always think about that's so fascinating about methylation is I, I think of like these methyl groups uh you know as like cash like it's like currency because you're you're spending it in so many different areas some of it would be mental health some would be detoxification some would be managing like you said your endothelium to you know make sure you have good cardiovascular function and once you start running out of cash you have to start budgeting right you have to sort of mm -hmm. where am i not going to spend this and it, it only makes sense that the body might preferentially choose something physiologic like detoxification and cardiovascular function at the expense of something like mental health mm -hmm. because as long as the organism is still moving then we can get back to it and, and i think that's to me a little bit of maybe where that connection really is drawn it's like you just don't have enough cash to, to treat your neurotransmitters correctly right, mm -hmm. right. right. when it gets really uh like one of the the sort of interfaces of looking at how, how all that's connected with like, okay, the homocystinuria is that that's creeping up to, you know, 15 or 20 or whatever. And, you know, that can drive the leaky brain and activate the NMDA receptors. But then the, have you guys explored like the neoterran bioterran pathway yeah, but, yeah. a little bit? Yep, like, yep, yep. cause then, you know, it's like you sprinkle in, okay, a little bit of lipopolysaccharide or interferon gamma, and then it's activating you know, the indolamine 2,3-dioxygenase and the guanosine triphosphate cyclohydrolase. So then it's like you get this depleted effect on neurotransmitters, you know, the bioterrain is depleted. So then you can't, you know, produce nitric oxide and, and your monoamines. So mm -hmm. you get this kind of cool, like methylation overlapping with like the neurochemistry and the neuroimmunology. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of this like little interface and in, in this convergence of all these things, like you're saying, and so then it makes it tricky of like, so do we just pump, you know, a lot more methyl donors into that? Or do we try to address this first? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's those interconnected cool. little yeah. pathways that work together. And and like, sorry, I'm like so geeked I know out right now. I know you're yeah, no, it's, <laughs> yeah. We're all having fun. <laughs> like, the other thing, all those things that you just mentioned, those, those shifts oftentimes lead to inflammatory or neuroinflammatory byproducts, which is like, yeah. you know, it's just gasoline on the fire, basically. Right. right. It's a delicate balance, yeah. right? Yeah. And even as we're talking about detoxification. We know how important methylation is there too, but we've talked a lot on this show about about detoxifying with the exposome and our environment, but we usually discuss it as it relates to like obesogens or endocrine disruption. How do you see the exposome or some of these toxins in our world connecting to mood disorders? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's a huge one. Like some of the, the subjects that keep me up at night, like the environmental toxicity and the EMF, um, you know, I find like you know, heart, like growing a healthy garden of life of the microbiome and getting fit and, and good nutrition, like that's all easy, but it's like, what do we do with this just overflowing toxic burden with the glyphosate and glufosinate and the EMF and um, all the BPA, all the things, right? right? Right. And, you know, I think, of course, like the literature is very sparse on this because like who wants to fund literature of right. like, <laughs> you know, the, the government certainly doesn't want to pay for that. Pharma nope. doesn't want to nope. pay for that research. Nope. Right. And it's like what little fragments of research of like, oh, you know, people in more polluted cities have more mental illness or, you know, I've seen papers that link, you know, environmental pollutants to schizophrenia and whatever. 
but just that overwhelming toxic oxidative burden on the body or the microplastics. I, I put up a post on social media. It did not perform well. Apparently nobody cares. <laughs> we but care. Was, uh, yeah, you guys will appreciate it. Like it was talking about like, you know, the microplastics and how the weathered microplastics are more neuroinflammatory mm. than than like fresh microplastics. You know, the idea being as these plastics are just going through the environment and getting, you know, oxidized and chemically uh, modified from the heat and the debris. But so then it's like these these weathered microplastics that we're all breathing and ingesting are more microglial activating, mm. more inflammatory, right? It's like, well, great, we're full, you know, in a world full of uh, weathered microplastics. Right. So right. it's scary. But yeah. it, it, it kind of feeds back to what you were saying earlier, Michael, like if your body is trying to detoxify all of this, you know, forever chemicals that are all around us, are they using that the methyl groups as cash to kind of work there? So it's another place that you're pulling away from because of our exposome. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard too. And and maybe why I can assume that Instagram like posts didn't do so well is because <laughs> not that people don't care. I think it's like there's it's overwhelming. At, at a certain point we know how bad it is yeah. and it's sort of like I don't even know where to begin and I don't even know where yeah. to start and I, basically I'm just bummed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's too depressing. I'm just bummed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of bummed too, you know, it can be a little, well, and then it's like, you know, sometimes it's like people like us, we, you know, we love diving into the mechanisms, but then it's like when we kind of share information about the mechanisms, people are like, I hate you for telling me that, right? right. Where, you know, if you look at like how inflammation inhibits brain detoxification of how the, the pro-inflammatory cytokines are down-regulating the ABC transporters to pump stuff out of the brain, right? Mm -hmm. And then how like neuroinflammation is very self-perpetuating. You know, you get some neuroinflammation, it might cause some, you know, bystander damage. And um, so then you get more damage-associated molecular patterns that then just activate more microglial activity and more, you know, so it's this just vicious cycle. But I always try to, you know, pump the brakes and give people hope of like, these sort of negative pathophysiological mechanisms can sort of build up. I, I like to think of it as sort of a metabolic momentum or a physiological momentum. You know, you get that water wheel spinning mm -hmm. in a bad direction and then disease progression, but healing works the same way, yeah. right? You know, when mm, you start yeah. painting these broad brush strokes and you start putting in, you know, the good input signals, trying to lessen the bad input signals, you can kind of bring that spinning bad wheel a little bit to a halt and then like let's reverse it start getting it spinning the other the other direction yeah yeah no that's great and it, it i think it leads perfectly into like the next question um it reminds me of the our environmental medicine professor the very first class that we had he was like all right guys this is going to be a tough class because like there's a lot of nasty stuff out there all around but mm -hmm. what's good to know right up front is that the body is incredible at taking care and managing and handling these things. Um, mm -hmm. So you've got a system that you don't even know like exactly how powerful it is. And I think one of the things that can really help with that is exercise, right? And you're a, a huge CrossFit fan, exercise a big part of your life. Um, and it's, it's really great as you know, all the papers are suggesting how important it is for mental health. So how do you motivate people to exercise, especially if they have mental health challenges on board? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad we're going there because I think being somebody that I've been an athlete my whole life, I've been active my whole life, and 
you know, as an athlete, martial arts, which is a very, I think, unique athletic. I wasn't a football player, basketball or, or team sports. It was individual combat sports like me versus you. One of us is going to get hurt and it's not going to be me. Right. Like that's. That sounds that's like me. A, that's me. Like, it's always me against something. I was like, I'm going to crush you. I'm always I don't like, know yeah. how. Who's the versus here? I'm always against something. Like, I'm going to get you. Oh, I, you seem like more of a savage than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, um, it wasn't until, you know, like well into my career that, you know, I almost sort of recognize maybe I've taken some of that for granted because for me, I just always gravitated towards it and specifically strength training. Like I do want to say like, you know, my personal fitness regimen, I lift weights three to four days a week. I do like vinyasa, more intense yoga, two to three days a week. I, I try to run, you know, a, a well-rounded fitness regimen is essential. Well-rounded at the end of the day, whatever gets you moving mm -hmm. move, movement in general is, is step one, whether that's walking or Zumba or whatever you're into. And from a you know client coaching psychology perspective, they have to love the movement, otherwise they're not going to keep doing it. So it doesn't really matter what kind of movement. That's a detail that you can get to as you get higher with your advancement and skill level. But it's whatever gets you moving first and foremost. Whatever kind of movement that you enjoy. If you don't enjoy, you're not going to do it. But you know, I just posted the other day. I think strength training in particular is some something really special about it. If I had to pick like one you know, exercise modality to stay healthy and happy forever, I think I'd go with yoga. Hmm. But if I was going for like, what is the one type of exercise that is like the best metabolic anti-aging medicine, I'm going to have to go with strength training. Sure. There's something really unique about the metabolic properties of lifting weights and that anaerobic strength training. Um, and this, the, the cool tie-in that I like to use for that is, you know, obviously forever we've been encouraging geriatric patients with Alzheimer's to do puzzles and do physiotherapy because it seems to delay the neurodegeneration. It seems to slow down the neurodegenerative process. And now mechanistically, we know why the brain drive neurotrophic factor. You know, we used to think that was exclusive to the parenchyma of the CNS. And now we know, oh, actually, it's also known as metabokine. Your skeletal mm -hmm. muscle produces BDNF in response to exercise. So the more you exercise, the more muscle mass, lean mass you build, the more BDNF and neurotrophic activity you're going to have. So, you know, I think exercise is one of the best, you know, treatments we have for any kind of mental health disorder. Not that it's going to make all of it go away. Like if you still have that genetic predisposition to OCD or schizophrenia or bipolar or, or ADHD, like the predisposition will always be there but it won't be such a dysfunctional phenotype if you don't have that neuroinflammation and oxidative stress and you have adequate neurotrophic signaling and the nutrition the exercise the sleep is the best way to shift that that balance between the neurotrophic status and the neuroinflammatory status um so yeah building lean mass is is such uh like the closest thing we have to a, a cure all in my opinion mm -hmm. but but i do love and appreciate that you emphasize the word movement because I think mm -hmm. to a lot of if, if there are people out there listening who are depressed are like oh give me a break Brendan I'm not going to start lifting weights I can barely yeah. get myself out of bed I'm so depressed just right. that idea of movement whatever that looks like walking whatever it is I think that's an important emphasis do you use that a lot with your patients and clients that you speak to 
Yeah, for sure. You know, there's so much psychology that goes into it because, you know, in this information age that we're in now and the algorithm is just giving us whatever to stimulate our neurological tissues Mm -hmm. to to keep us plugged in and immobile is what the algorithm is Mm -hmm. designed to do. And it's like that's literally the opposite of being human and moving and being the animal that you are. Right. So it's like we have to move. And I think there's a lot of beautiful there's a lot of beautiful metaphors with fitness and everything too, because it's like, you do get that a lot, especially in the complex chronic illness world, you get a lot of pushback of like, no, no, I can't exercise because mm-hmm. I have exercise intolerance. I have, you know, MCAS, I have, you know, histamine and, and mitochondrial dysfunction, all these mechanistic excuses mm. oh, of wow. why they are refusing to even try to cultivate resilience, mm-hmm. right? In fitness, like I, I just went for a run this morning and I've been slacking on my running this year. And guess what? Whereas like, you know, a year ago, I'm, I'm running like six miles at an 830 pace. Okay, this morning I was struggling to get four miles at like a 930 pace, right? And it's like that humility though is very grounding and healing unto itself. And I feel that. I don't like feeling that resistance. It's like I, I you have to push yourself against gravity, against nature it's it's very humbling i think the world could use a little bit of of humility but you know specific adaptation to impose demand is like personal training nomenclature 101 but everything about the body operates on specific adaptation to impose demand you know it's like toxic burden specific adaptation will upregulate our detox pathways to handle that so i think people need to practice a certain degree of compassion and patience, but also I'm going to choose resilience. I'm going to earn it, right? Because if you allow yourself to just like, no, I can't do that because it's hard or scary. Like that's the whole point is you push yourself a little into your comfort, you know, past your comfort zone and then you recover, right? So yeah, uh, whatever it takes. Yeah, you know, to, yeah it's like the hormesis, right? And like the, just a little push. Yeah. And, and yeah. the fun thing is you get to see the results and the results generally start piling on pretty darn quick once you start mm-hmm. doing the thing. And it takes me back, you know, I, I hear in your story, you know, how much of a role kind of the, the mindset uh, played as far as setting you up for that desire to push past resistance and that divide, mm-hmm. desire to cultivate resilience. And I think, um, you know, that's something that... I don't know, maybe it's a little bit rarer and rarer these mm. days because it takes me back to just kind of what I, I like call sometimes spirit sickness, where it's like people need to have the why. You know, people need to have essentially that that mindset and that mindset has to come from some sort of meaning or purpose to even get the cogs spinning. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, there's a like classic coaching psychology exercise I've, I've used for my whole career of like the five whys, right? You know, you're sitting down with a new client whether it's personal training client or functional medicine client really doesn't matter. Uh, at the end of the day though, it's like, okay, what's your goal? Uh, I want to lose hundred pounds. Why? Well, because I want to be healthier and feel better. Why? Mm-hmm. You know, and you just keep asking why to whatever they say, basically until you, you get some emotional vulnerability and obviously you have to hold a safe space, practice mm-hmm. a lot of compassion and empathy. Like, Hey, it's safe. It's non-judgmental. It's all good but you're trying to slowly, gently peel those layers to get down to that core why. And, you know, it's always going to be something that is beyond themselves when you get down to it, right? Like you have the person, um, you, you get like three, four, five whys down into the onion or whatever. And it's like, 
I want to live a long, healthy life so I can be around for my grandchildren. Hmm. And they're like tearing up and all this like unresolved trauma starts spilling out of them and whatever. It's like, okay, there we go. Like there's your intrinsic why. So when it's getting hard uh, or you don't really want to do it, like let's remember what that core why is because this isn't just about you. This is you wanting to serve your loved ones, right? So it kind of takes us back to that, you know, something beyond ourselves. We're not really, although our ego is very over seduced in today's egoic world, uh, we're not designed to operate from that place. We really do operate best from this place of my loved ones, serving my loved ones, serving the collective, you know, it's, it's bigger than just us. And that's gonna, that kind of motivation is going to last longer than just like, Oh, I want to lose 20 pounds for my trip to Florida next weekend. So I can look good on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like, yeah. That's well, and that why technique is the same thing my four-year-old uses. I didn't know he was my personal guru. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a very wise four-year-old. <laughs> plant corn, you get corn, Michael. It's all you. Yeah. Well, well, this is profound on many, many levels. Um, and we just love the work you're doing. Mm. And we're so grateful that you're in the space really pushing this. It's one of Michael's passion projects, like I said, mental health and, and root cause of the root cause of the root cause. But we also know there's a lot going on over at the Metabolic Solutions Institute mm. for Functional Health. Fill everyone in on what they can expect when they go to MetabolicSolutionsLLC.com. Oh, I appreciate it. No, you two, Vibe Tribe, we're best friends right? already. Can't <laughs> See? wait to hang out with you guys. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. See, the fact that, you know, having never really had a real conversation before, we're able to hop on, riff, you know, throw down a lot of science, spirituality and everything yeah. in between. So I really appreciate the opportunity and metabolicsolutionsllc.com. All my most important links are there. So if somebody's trying to become a functional mental health practitioner, they can learn more about the program or do the mental map lab test, work with me privately. And then I have a pretty extensive library of free resources. You know, I've got a free methylation guide, neuroinflammation, mm-hmm. webinars, all the things. So a uh, little bit of something for everybody. I also awesome. want to say, I'm going to encourage people to follow you on Instagram oh, for yeah. some amazing knowledge nuggets. So follow them at The Holistic Savage because there's great stuff there too. We can't thank you enough for spending time, Brendan. Before I let you go, we do have one last question mm. that I'm going to kick to Michael Chapman that's kind of off topic, and we call it the fireball. This is the fireball question the fireball. that is meant to catch you off guard and be so hot that your eyebrows will singe right <laughs> off your face. Perfect. Uh, so th- it goes like this. This is a pretty straightforward one. What is your favorite wild animal? Uh, great white shark. Wow. No Oh, you no got to say more. Wow. Okay. No hesitation. So what's, what's the appeal here? Uh, you know, uh, I think I identify and, and empathize a lot with great white sharks. I think they're, you know, these forces of nature, they're, you know, the kings of the ocean. I'm a cancer for the record, uh, you know, mm-hmm. born in July, um, spend a lot of time, you know, near the ocean, in the ocean, under the water growing up, you know, water's, water's my element. Sharks have always been my favorite animals and there's no shark greater than, than the great white. I think they're so misunderstood, right? You know, they're so like terrifying and stoic and dark eyes and everything, but they're they're beautiful, they're majestic, they're powerful. And um, I'm a workhorse, so I, I like to to use the line, you know, you got to swim to breathe. 
Mm. Right. Wow. So wow. that's awesome. It keeps me moving. That's yeah. awesome. See even profundity in that the fireball, great. Michael. See what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I <was gonna> start. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, don't even start me on the riff that you're both obsessed with mental health and you're both water signs. I'm just going to well, let yeah. that one go. I'm yeah. going to move on yeah. from that. Yeah. <laughs> As friends for life now. We're, right. we're like full right. bonded. Right. <laughs> right. Well, Brendan Vermeer, amazing. You did not disappoint. We've been so excited to meet you yeah. and we can't wait to talk to you again. We'll see you real soon. But thank you so much for spending time. We know how valuable your time is. Oh, likewise, likewise. This was absolutely a pleasure. So I can't wait to see you guys at the next conference. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. See you guys. See, Michael, you are not alone in your passion for functional medicine and root cause to mental health. Yeah, and apparently That's not alone awesome. in as far as like obsessing with biochemistry. Right. The, he had me on the ropes <laughs> with a lot of the stuff that he was talking about. Like he is incredibly smart knowing his pathways. Oh yeah. my goodness. He's a good guy to geek out with. We should probably have him on and pick a pathway and just go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I agree. Although that might be like an outtake, right? Because I don't know that I don't know that everyone out there shares the same Fair. sort of obsession. No, I, I think there are a lot of people out there, and maybe between the three of us, we can get them interested in biochem, and they'll love geeking out. But that's the other thing that's so great is you know bringing it back to some of these greater concepts, especially around purpose, mental health, mm-hmm. exercise. I mean, it all fits together, and that's that's the thing that's so fun about the, what we're doing. I know, I agree. But he had me at pamps, damps, and lamps. That was good. Next time on The Lab Report, what were we talking about? Pamps, damps, lamps? Let's dive into it. Immunity, inflammation. It's basically when your body freaks out because it's seeing <laughs> that it's breaking down. This is kind of how I think about uh-huh. it. Probably more complicated, but... You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. I really liked what he was saying about movement. You know, finding a movement or an exercise that you like to do is No, my gosh, it's so important. Like, it's like you with basketball. Like, you've been playing basketball more and more and more because that was like your childhood thing. But now it's winter. What are you going to do? Well... That's a good question. Not that this will really help me much in the winter, but I did just recently communicate to my wife that I'm thinking about <laughs> buying rollerblades. <laughs> and Perfect I know, winter sport. And I, I would have done it probably decades ago if, uh-huh. if it weren't for the insecurity around being such a dork out there rolling uh-huh. around in the parking lot. Because I'm going to have to do it at lunch, like here at yeah. the office. So you guys are going to see me in like uh, knee pads and like... Dude. This will be Socks. the greatest thing ever. Please, I will buy them for you. That's how excited I am about this. Like, this is endless amounts of content that we could put on social media. I do love rollerblading, though. Well, let's get them. What color are you going to get me? Pink. That's what I had growing up. Oh, come on. Seriously.